And that's why it's so challenging as an adult to be able to kind of breadcrumb trail back why we actually act the way we do, why we Mm -hmm. get stuck in specific narratives or belief systems that really often do originate in our family of origin. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. Today, I am sitting with Dr. Allison Keating, and we challenge with compassion the concept of moving from the overwhelm of not doing enough as a woman and as a mother to bringing being enough into the day-to-day decisions and narratives of our lives. Dr. Allison Keating is a chartered psychologist working for the last 20 years primarily in adult relationships, generalized anxiety, and trauma. She also provides weekly guidance in Ireland's most read news website, independent.ie, where she answers all questions related to adult relationships, mental health, and well-being. A core value of helping people access practical evidence-based practice is met with various mental health media contributions with her regular appearances on radio, television, print, and now an online platform for women in their midlives exploring what it means to live your authentic life. Dr. Keating wrote The Secret Lives of Adults to explore the complexities of being an adult and to get to know our inner selves. And I'm so excited to share that her book is now available by audiobook. She and her husband have three daughters and they are the best teachers to her on all aspects of life and love. Now, before we dive into the episode, I wanted to share that the first few minutes are a little bit scratchy. Allison and I had a little bit of technical difficulties we plowed through, but then after the first few minutes, it turns into a much clearer conversation. So bear with us and my apologies for the audio for how it turned out. And before we go into the episode, I need your help. I want to know who is listening because podcasting doesn't give me the chance to connect with you uh, the same way social media does. So let me know you're here. Leave me a review on iTunes or take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast tag me on social media at dr.tracyd or send me a DM and let me know what you thought. Let's dive into today's episode. Allison, I am so glad that we are finally able to sit down together. We have been talking about doing this episode together for almost a year. But you know what? A year flies by, doesn't it? Uh, It absolutely does. (laughs) Now, I can remember a year ago, I was sitting on a balcony listening to you while my daughter was napping. And it's, it's amazing how the world has changed in just a year. Oh God. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's inconceivable, inconceivable to everybody. Like nobody could see this coming. Um, the rug really has been pulled out from underneath everybody's feet, hasn't it? It absolutely has. It's been so hard. 
So before we dive in, can you tell our listeners three things that make you who you are? Okay. So I suppose first and foremost, um, myself, my husband, we have three children, uh, three girls. So I would say that's the biggest part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I'm a psychologist um, in private practice the last, gosh, 18 years. Um, and a total psychology nerd. So I just <laughs> love research and I'm a, a very proud card carrying nerd. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you who you are. That's it. I get excited by research. <laughs> and where where would we find you if we were to, to kind of think of your landscape? What country are you in? I am in Ireland. Um, oh. And unusually, it is a beautiful day here. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's actually a bank holiday today. So everybody's off. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on the Be Well Clinic uh, is my my practice and that's my website um, and you'll find me on Instagram as well as Alison Keating lovely and I will put all of the links in the show notes so that people can find where you are because we are going to dive into such an important topic today so one of the themes that continues to pop up for women and mothers is this theme of striving And I know for myself that I often feel like I need to do it all and to do it all really well. I'm a professional. I own a business, my full client load. I work a full week. I'm also a mother, a partner, a friend. And we know that women tend to be the laborers of childcare, household, and the emotional work in the relationship. What is particularly challenging during this pandemic that we're facing is that many women are also experiencing the additional roles that are being placed on them. So on top of the work that they are doing, I know that many are trying to continue to excel in their work, Um, being a stay-at-home mom, the homeschooler, the house cleaner. There's just so many roles that are popping up and women are getting stuck in striving. So what does this striving mode look like? It looks very fast, and I think it feels exhausting. Um, mm. And so many people felt this pre-COVID. Um, like everything you just described, there is basically the book I wrote, which you know is the secret lives of adults, mm-hmm. which is all about the different roles that we live in our adult lives. Um, and as you said, you know you hit all the roles there but the extra one we all now have is teacher which have to say I'm not loving (laughs) (laughs) it it was a job I never wanted um everyone was like it's a fabulous job for a mother I was like no no I want to be a psychologist yeah um so that's that's really hard especially when it's not your choice um it's not your choice and you didn't get to prepare for it we we haven't prepared for this well, it is a full-time job, and when, like, we're still in, in full lockdown here in Ireland, um, so myself and my husband are both working, um, and then there's school on top of mm-hmm. it as well. So in terms of women, the one word I always hear is I feel overwhelmed, and this was pre-COVID. So as you're saying, I think it's just exacerbated what already was there, um, and again, as you said, coupled with that, 
inherent drive that women have in doing it all perfectly. Um, I suppose I love Brené Brown's, um, you know, the three please, P's. And I think I'm definitely guilty of it. And it's, you know, it's that we're, we're trying to please, we're trying to perform and we're trying to perfect. Oh, um, yes. And my whole thing at work and in my book, is, which is rich, literally just what I see on the couch, is that we have to ask ourselves, where does this come from? You know, where did we see this before? And I would often ask clients, you know, did you ever see your mother sitting down? And the proverbial answer is, oh, God, no, never. Mm. She never said. So one thing I ask clients to do um, is just during the day, show your children you can sit down. Even if the place is a mess, uh, even if the dinner is not ready, have that cup of tea. I think we are great parents, um, but not necessarily good at nurturing our own emotional and physical and psychological needs. It's really difficult. Right. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of myself that one of the things that exhausts me so much on Saturdays, or pre, pre-COVID, but when I was with the kids on my own on Saturdays, is that I would be on my feet all day long. Mm-hmm. I, I would just be on my feet and I would not sit down and not just for myself and for my own self-care, but then also that demonstration to my children that it's okay to rest and it's okay to pause and sit. You are so right. And I mean, that's one of the key takeaways uh, from the book is the pause. Um, And I I try my best to use it with myself. And, you know, you don't always get it right every time. Uh, I try and show with the kids when they're about to lose the head. You know, it's like, just pause, hang on. Um, And that everything doesn't have to be perfect before you give yourself permission. It's so simple, but permission to sit down and take a break. And I know how incredibly hard it is. I'm on my feet all the time. But sometimes mm-hmm. I actually force myself. And it's 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 kind of unnatural. It's like, actually, no, there's still more to do. But I would, you know, force myself to sit down um, for two minutes, for three minutes. Uh, or even something I came up with the other day was, I love polyvagal breathing. Um, mm. And I was saying, you know, I came across this concept of kettle breaths. And in Ireland, and I'm sure it's worldwide, everybody seemed to be out scuttling to get their kettlebells to do their exercises. But <laughs> just to stand by your kettle, and as you switch it on, you do polyvagal kettle breaths. So you just breathe in for four, and then you breathe out for eight. And it's such an amazing thing just to give yourself permission in one minute, because it adds up to 60 seconds, to actually really switch on your rest button because we all know how to just be striving and going and next 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 so when you're actually making that cup of tea I've now added a minute to it where I actually try and do a complete switch into rest mode for that one minute because it's so easy just to pick up your phone isn't it or try and do something else at the same time we are all such multitaskers (laughs) so just even bring it back just for one minute and then have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever you like. <laughs> so it's an added bonus. 
Allison, I love that idea of being able to stack what we're doing. So when you're standing there making tea, that you can also add in that self-care and nurturing right there. It's not this large thing, but something to help you. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Now, I wonder if we could dive into more about, you know, where do we learn this from? What are the norms for women? I think identifying your own norm because everybody's norm is different. And what I find most fascinating with people is that we all think we think the same and we all think everyone's norm is also your norm and that's Mm. where people get in trouble um so I kind of introduced norm as like figuratively as as an imaginary kind of person nearly um in my book I got people to kind of see who that kind of silent observer was in the corner who kind of saw what your family did uh, who kind of 
recognized and observed the rules, some that were explicit, but most that were completely implicit. And that's why it's so challenging as an adult to be able to kind of breadcrumb trail back why we actually act the way we do, why we Mm -hmm. get stuck in specific narratives or belief systems that really often do originate in our family of origin. So without kind of putting that groundwork in and, and kind of digging into these questions of, you know, in terms of how, how your mother was, how your father was, and in an absolutely compassionate, curious way. It's not a judgment. You know, I do think when you become a parent yourself, you really cultivate so much more empathy for your parents um, mm. when you recognize that, of course, they made mistakes, that, of course, they had off days, and um, that actually perhaps a lot of things that happened were non-intentional. Um, some possibly for some people, you know, it was intentional, but for a lot of people getting those emotional needs met in a kind of a healthy, consistent way is quite the challenge. Um, so it's something that we just bring a really compassionate heart to understanding your family norms without judgment but bringing a, a kind of a, a really kind, gentle curiosity so that you can actually stop being trapped in a narrative that just really might not be working for you anymore, such as perfectionism. Right. Absolutely. I, I love that idea of being that silent observer. What, what would you have been noticing growing up? And it comes up often with clients in the sense of when we talk about where we learn these things from, that people will immediately say, I don't want to blame my family. I don't want to blame mom. Or, you know, sometimes people will joke, oh, it all goes back to the mother. <laughs> but but I, I think what's important here is that we often have you know, sometimes that mismatch between what the environment offers, right? What our parents are able to offer and then the mismatch between what our needs are. Absolutely. And, you know, I always find it so interesting as well. I mean, I know you have children as well, but if I just look at my three, their temperaments and personalities are completely different. Um, I'm one of three and I have three sisters. And when I did my siblings chapter for the book, I swear I just laughed most of the time because I couldn't believe, even though I had done all this before, we were textbook. Like it was just ridiculous, you know? (laughs) First born was this, the second born was that. I'm the middle child. Um, And I just think it's, it's so interesting when we come at this objectively, which is so difficult, But if we give ourselves a little bit of wiggle room as adults to kind of say, do you know what? Some things are not working in my life. I feel cranky. I feel um, tired. I'm feeling resentful in my relationship. Um, And yet perhaps you are juggling too many balls. Um, But to stand back and to really reflect, and as I said, with compassion, why? Why am I doing these things? And then how, how can I actually change these things? So the responsibility um, in a very good way, it it stays with you. And there's something amazing about that ability to make those changes yourself that you can kind of be reborn. And Mm -hmm. in a way, I think it's, it's breaking down this myth 
that, you know, as children, we're all running out of childhood and teenagers and we want to be adults because we're going to have it all sussed. We're going to know how everything is. But the truth, and you know it and I know it, and I'm telling you, the world knows it right now collectively, is that the world is not fair. Um, it is completely random. There is chaos. And I say this as a positive psychologist, <laughs> but it's a really worthwhile thing to understand because I think we, we take away from ourselves when we believe we have to have it all figured out by adulthood. We really cut down our ability to grow. Um, our growth mindset becomes completely stifled because we fear and we're ashamed if we aren't parenting the way we think we should be. You know, when I'm looking around at the moment, say even on, on social media, there's a lot of pandemic perfect going on. There's a lot of kind of projections of people either feeling that they are performing more and as you said that that strive and that need um, right. and then other people feeling like you know what I, I am actually not able to do anything but both are coping mechanisms really um, but it's just looking somewhere in between and seeing and asking is this a quality life is this how I actually want to live or choose to live my life I have to say that from my own personal experience that once I let go of the idea of being a perfect mother and being able to do it all, that I felt something shift for me in terms of how I was showing up for my children, how I was showing up for my relationship, but also how I was showing up for me. Mm. It's and such a challenge though, isn't it? it? It's such a challenge. It's such a challenge. I, I often think of this this story of, you know, I've been with the kids the full day, I put them to bed and then my partner is sitting down and I'm in the kitchen and I've got this urge of like cleaning the counters, <laughs> which is not my stuff that, that my mom loved to clean the counters. It was a job we always had to do before leaving the kitchen and that's fine. Um, but I would feel that sense of, I've got to have this clean, perfect kitchen before I can rest. And in that night, I remember consciously choosing my partner over my house, over the cleanliness, over perfection. And I chose that connection. That's such an amazing thing to do. And like the impact that actually has on your relationship, rather than you turning up depleted, exhausted, resentful, which is so easy mm -hmm. um, <laughs> to do that. Um, but I do feel, and I, and I do wonder sometimes, and I marvel at my husband's ability to not put those dishes away. Whereas for me, it would be niggling. But I let that go as well. Maybe mm -hmm. I let it go too much for a while. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you do see it with clients sometimes when we go too far the opposite way, which isn't a healthy way of, of doing things either. Um, I'm all about kind of figuring out, say, one to ten, ten being the worst one, you know, where are you on the scale? How can we move one? And just that beautiful example of you choosing you know, your husband over the dishes, which really is a no-brainer, isn't it? But actually doing it, it's very hard. 
<laughs> yes, incredibly hard when you're actually having to do it when you're in that moment. And that that is that piece where you said, you know, being an observer and being able to bring awareness and be kind and curious, not just to our parents, but also to ourselves and asking mm. ourselves what's behind doing this instead of being on that that striving mode in that autopilot space where we're just constantly doing um, and coming back to those three P's that you said earlier of trying to please, to perform and to perfect, just pausing. I love that you said the pause. That is such a beautiful strategy. I even, I say to my children um, that they have to imagine like red buttons on themselves. So when they're, the, someone's hitting off their buttons um, that they have to imagine that they have the TV remote control and they press pause. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, buttons, press pause. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, I came up with it for them, but it's a really useful one to use myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful strategy to use. What You know, one of the things that my clients often get tripped up on is when I talk about letting go. And you, you had said, you know, if you could even just move one notch or let it go, how can, how can women try to let something go? What, what are your ways of teaching that? I think it's um, practice and to kind of invite in the uncomfortableness of actually doing it. Um, I find a lot of clients show up to therapy intellectually. Um, we can have great conversations. Um, they're, you know, they're bright, smart, kind, reflective people. It's a different experience when I get them to actually somatically, you know, connect with it. So a lot of times I would really work on getting people to tune into their body. Mm -hmm. So those thoughts that they're having and those feelings that they're having. And I can see people really struggle with that connection. Um, so it's, it's really tuning back into what does this actually feel like for me in my body? Where am I actually feeling this? And then literally, you know, putting, you say it's in your chest, putting your hand to your chest, or if you feel it in your stomach, connecting to your stomach, and it, it's very transformative that once that kind of physical connection is made, the tears come, you know, the feelings come and people can identify perhaps they feel stuck or they feel upset or they feel they have to do it that way. They don't see any other option. Mm -hmm. So I get clients to really invite in how uncomfortable it, it actually is. And then to gently just take one step, you know, what would it be like to not tidy up the children's kids or the toys? Um, what would it be like to do that assignment tomorrow if you're not able to do it tonight? And for the perfectionist, that is an immense ask. It mm -hmm. really, it's huge. Um, but the problem is, is that it, it's perfectionism is a kind of a very hungry monster and it's it's insatiable so it doesn't matter how much you achieve it's it will always want more and if you keep feeding it, it it just grows and grows and grows so in a way you are torting it behaviorally by just doing very small things like the polyvagal breath like when you wake up in the morning just putting your feet on the ground or just standing up and just taking a few nice breaths just to start the day everything I ask clients to do is really manageable I sometimes work in like kind of minutes 
could you start your day like this? Uh, whether it's putting the feet on, obviously everyone puts their feet in the ground. <laughs> perfectionists perhaps don't. They might jump out of bed and they might run into the day. Um, and they're, they're already mentally at their job before they've actually even taken a spoonful mm. of their breakfast. So it's just, it's just being aware that everything needs to get done, um, but mindfully bringing in the ability just to slow the tempo down somewhat uh, through their breath or connecting back to their body and then making one small change. And then when you got to that, making the next small change, but you're encouraging the whole way along. And then I also get people to recognize it will be good and you will be delighted with yourself, but to expect setbacks, uh, to expect the bump in the road, to expect running late one day and you're just feeling a bit narky and cross um, or you, you give out to the children or your husband or whatever actually happens or your boss says something and, the, and the, it, it triggers something in you to bring an awareness that you're only human um, and we're not a project, a self-improvement project. That's not the goal of our lives. Um, so just one little step at a time and then when the step back happens, pick yourself up dust yourself off and keep going. Mm. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Yes, that, that sense of just bringing awareness to what's happening moment to moment rather than running and going and doing is so important. And I love, Allison, how you're saying using your hand to place your hand on a space of your body, that if mm -hmm. something, if you're getting a message or, you know, you're feeling tense somewhere, the act of putting your hand there can really help connect that feeling. It's, it's actually an incredible thing to do. And I often would ask clients to close their eyes while they do it. And I think by doing that, you're just you're turning off the external stimuli around. You're, you're really tuning back into your body. And I suppose specifically for women, I think it's that beautiful feminine energy, that, that intuition mm -hmm. uh, back to themselves um, that I think is so important because there's so much information 
out there. I mean, we're, we're quite honestly dealing with an infodemic. Um, so sometimes specifically in parenting, there can be a sense, I think, that women can lose their way when they feel like they've done it wrong. I suppose that's why I get it. It's not upsetting, but it, it's frustrating for me sometimes when you see kind of non-evidence-based kind of, you know, things being spouted out through, the, through kind of, you know, the news or media that mm-hmm. of different ways of doing it. And then when you invariably fail, you actually feel like, God, I can't even do that right um, so I suppose that when I said I was a kind of a research nerd, that's what I love about psychology is that we can take wonderful things that people have spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out in a way that actually does work rather than this worked for, Ju- you know, Joan down the road mm-hmm. um, it might not work for you. So there's, there's kind of lo- a lovely stability, I think, in our field that we can provide the psychological toolbox that you need just as a human being. Um, And then you pick and choose as you actually need, but you're very human about everything. You're very human about how immensely difficult it is to be a parent, to be in a relationship, to try and do all these different roles and very specific to the moment. Um, People were, as I said, feeling overwhelmed before, but now there is an exhaustion that yes. people are nearly cross with themselves about because they don't really understand why am I so like exhausted? And I think there's a collective grief that people are experiencing, whether it's just the loss of the life that they had been living, mm. the grief of the world and all the things that are happening to people. And it, it is it is incredibly painful to see all these different people experience um you know, the death of, of their loved ones, not being able to attend their, their funerals properly. And just life as we know it has, at this moment in time, ceased. What's really interesting to me, though, Tracy, is that some people are actually saying, I don't think I'll go back to the way it was, this is specifically women, because with perhaps, you know, some moms might find they kind of feel like taxi drivers and that's one of their other roles is that, you know, there has been a lessening of the running around. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting to see what is happening and how, you know, that I, also, I have so many thoughts that are stirring up from what you just said. Uh, the, the first one, I just want to go back and say, it, you know, it is so powerful to be able to see that we are fallible and that we make mm-hmm. mistakes. And I remember in my profession, allowing myself to learn this, that I wasn't always going to get it right. And then for some reason it, that I lost that when I became mom, when I became mm-hmm. a mother, I lost that. And I, I can remember hearing my partner say, you get to make mistakes. This is how you learn. Of course, you, you know, this happened. You will learn from this. And I, I, I wanted to just emphasize that before moving forward, because it, it's such an important message, especially for the perfectionist that you, you've got to let yourself struggle a little bit. Yes, to be able to get through that. But I mean, what's happened collectively, it's such a demonstration of, of our, our need to be busy and to not allow ourselves to just stay still and slow down and breathe. But I suppose for so many people and specifically for us, is that my clients don't want to sit with their thoughts because yes. they are they're filled with anxiety, they're, they're deeply depressing, they're, they're terrifying thoughts. 
So when you ask someone to sit with something that for them they've been avoiding for a very long time, it makes perfect sense as to why people are distracting themselves. Um, and I think, you know, it's just much easier to tune in online than it is to tune into yourself. Mm. So it's that, it's that art of cultivating the space where we allow ourselves, you know, unscheduled time um, just to kind of potter a little bit <laughs> you know I love my potter time I miss my potter time at the moment and it, it really I would not be doing anything major but it's just kind of unplanned and uh, there's no major goal with it um and it's just such a lovely freedom right. but I I completely understand why people avoid at all costs and I suppose I, I feel it's like people have become nearly allergic to their emotions. They're so terrified of them. But I, mm. I, I love emotions and I would love people to become, you know, more in tune with what those messengers are trying to tell you. Like your, the intelligence of, you know, your, your, your mind and your body and your, your, your soul. Um, inherently, we, we do hold the answers. It's just how do we ask the right questions to unlock what actually works best for us. Yes. And, and trusting that our thoughts and our feelings are just that. They're just thoughts and feelings. That, that they might seem scary and they might seem overwhelming, but that we can always come back to the present moment. It's so powerful to be able to learn that. It really is. And we always have to ask, you know, I would often be very interested, you know, and ask clients, if they have difficulty expressing themselves um, emotionally, again, you know, back to the family of origin, what happened when you expressed sadness? How was it responded to? Um, did you ever see your parents? I'm not sure if it's specific to Ireland, but, you know, only one or two generations, you know, previous, it was not the norm to express emotions. They mm -hmm. were kept hidden. And um, so for a lot of kind of, you know, adults that I would see in their 50s or 60s, they may have never seen demonstrative kind of expressions of emotions from their parents ever. So how could they possibly know how to do it themselves? Right. And, and then there comes that fear and that feeling of shame, right? The I'm afraid of what will happen if I feel this or show it or shame mm. that I even feel this because, well, my mom and dad didn't feel this. So why do I? Exactly. What's wrong with me? It's that mm -hmm. awful what's wrong with me. Or if you actually did try and express your emotions and they were minimized or dismissed um, and, you know, we had spoke previously about that, that concept of the difference between emotional neglect and emotional abuse. And people get, you know, somewhat uncomfortable when they hear that. But a lot of parents may not have met their children's needs emotionally and neglected to be able to respond to them in a way that actually worked for them, possibly not intentionally. Right. You know, maybe there was a divorce in the family. Maybe there was illness. Maybe there was a mental health issue. Maybe they had just lost their job. There are many factors that play out that leave parents sometimes incapable of actually being there for their child, which is, is, is hard to be there, you know, as they in that perfect mode all the time. Um, so it's just cultivating a sense of space 
not being afraid of your emotions, like a kind of a radical acceptance of how you actually do feel rather than being frustrated mm. how you actually want to feel. It's that gap, I think, that causes the problem most, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And going back to that term, because I think it's so important to, to, to just differentiate that, that oftentimes people really struggle with this idea or this concept of childhood emotional neglect. Um, and that what's important is that this is different from abuse and, and neglect looks like um, the, your, your parents may not have given you what you needed and you had to learn some way to cope in your environment. And so sometimes, and Allison, you add to the list, I'll just, I'll just name a few, but sometimes what, what children learn to do is they learn to be the pleasers. They mm-hmm. learn to be perfect. They learn that their emotions don't matter. They learn that maybe they don't fit in or they shouldn't share things um, or they might even even develop imposter syndrome. Uh, what, what else would you add on that list? Um, I would include decision-making mm, because if yes. you don't know your own emotions or you don't trust them, how can you make a decision that you feel comfortable with? And there's, there's kind of a torture with that because if you inherently don't trust your own thoughts, how can you, with any sense of kind of comfort, make a decision that you feel is the right one? And then if we add perfectionism on top of that, the kind of abject fear of, my God, if I get this wrong, it's the end of the world. Mm. So it's just, you know, building in space to make lots of mistakes. And I do think, personally, I, I encourage failure a lot with my children um, and I would say to them, okay, that's fine. You didn't get that right there. But it shows to me, even your, the fact that you're confused, say they're doing schoolwork. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's actually a really good sign that you're, 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 your brain is trying to figure it out. We're on our way because they get so frustrated, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of building in that resilience by showing people it's okay not to get it right the first time. And when you mentioned like imposter syndrome, I think it's that again with kind of high achievers, it's that the person feels like they have to, say they're perceived as the expert or they're perceived as, you know, a wonderful parent or they're perceived as whatever it is. Then that kind of that fear, my God, actually, if they actually knew I made a mistake mm. today or what if it's not right and they start what ifing, and then you're in trouble. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I, we've talked about the connection between the mind and body and how important that is and how we could start practicing that even just in these small moments, like if you're making tea, Mm -hmm. um, going into the breath, using your hand um, over your body when you can tune into where a sensation is. I wonder what what are some other things that women can start to do to nourish and replenish themselves? Again, I think it's always using what is available to you. So I would love... Um, and I encourage people to do self-soothing through their five senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I nearly always say to them, uh, which one is your favorite sense? You know, so for me, like a mood changer would be if I just lit a nice candle or I, I have, you know, nice smelly things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, of course. And and I just know that it, it just changes my mood if I light my little candle and 
um, or I put them on my pulse points, you know, with different kind of lovely oils that have mm-hmm. smells. So I would get people to list out, you know, their sight, their sound, texture, you know, go through their senses. And I would always ask them to write down the specific things that they like in it. Like, so even with the taste, it could be, you know, your favorite chocolate pudding or this beautiful dinner that you make. Um, and, or it's, you know, fresh bread. It's whatever you really love. And, and it's such a lovely thing to do. And then you begin to pick and choose as you like. So again, it's like within that psychological toolbox, um, you start recognizing actually sight is very important to me so that your morning ritual might be walking outside your front door or the back door, looking up to the sky, you know, breathing in the lovely morning, listening to the birds. So you can use a couple of the senses, obviously, at the same time, but just tuning into the fact that you are doing it on purpose. You're, you're hearing the birds, you're, you're seeing, you know, your feet on the ground. You, you, you feel, you're, you're aware of your shoulders. You bring them up, you bring them back. These are really straightforward things that you can do, or even with the texture at, at nighttime, you know, uh, we have a, a, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but I call it the hygge blanket. So, you know, it's kind of a, a Swedish or Finnish concept that yes. it, it, it's that lovely warmth. So we sit down and that's our family blanket. We might watch a family movie and I'll have my little candle and we have our little blanket. And, little <laughs> and it's so simple, but everybody loves it. You know, there's a real connection piece that you can actually do this for yourself. You can do it for yourself or your partner. Um, there are little kind of rituals that you can just build in that soften your environment, whether it's even lighting a little candle at dinner every night. There are small things I think that you can do that you identify as important to you. You identify as these really change my mood. Um, you know, for my husband, it would be music. So like, um, we've just moved recently, but in our old house, <laughs> I would know he was really into something. I could hear his taps bang, banging <laughs> on the door upstairs. <laughs> and I would know that he was in the zone, you know, and <laughs> he'd have his earphones on and bang, bang, bang. <laughs> um, but he would be great for that. He would come down sometimes and just put the music on and, and check with everyone. Hey, do you like that music? And, and it's just mm. a mood changer. It's, it's, it's really simple stuff, but actually just like everything, it's, it's, those are the really effective ones. Um, and then the basic stuff like sleep. Um, and then sometimes I think for mothers specifically to drop your expectations and not to get too stressed if you're not getting enough sleep. Um, because I think there's so much pressure on, on us now that we know the detrimental impact of not getting enough sleep has. But sometimes I think even lying in bed, if you're being disturbed and saying to yourself, I am actually resting. This is actually doing my body good. Even though I'm awake, it's still rest. So mm-hmm. just turning everything, tweaking everything to your, your circumstances at that time. Um, because it's just always evolving, isn't it? 
It's always evolving. One of my favorite things to do that really grounds me is to, particularly at this time of the year in Ottawa with the spring coming out, I am constantly intentionally noticing the trees and the bushes and the buds and watching them grow and shift and change. And it is my go-to thing that says, just take a moment and you don't have to rush. You don't have to do, you don't have to be thinking about all of the projects or what you did wrong or maybe how you would have liked to do something different. But it's just that moment of being able to get into my body and get into what's around me. And it's, it's, it's very healing. And it's something so small and simple. But so incredibly nurturing. And I do feel very nurtured by nature. And where my clinic is, you know, it's right beside the sea. So I used to find it really interesting that I would know clients were coming out of depression because they used to be able to see the sea from the window in session. And sometimes it would take two or three weeks and the view is stunning. And then they'd say, oh, wow, you can see the sea from here. Oh, that's, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and that to imagine. me was always like, ah, they're coming back. Right. Like, I think you're incredibly lucky um, if you notice like... I don't know what the weather's like for you at the moment, but our weather is uncharacteristically lovely at the moment. And um, we're having beautiful sunrises, beautiful sunsets. Mm. Like myself and my daughter went down to the sea to see a sunrise. And um, so these are things we're trying to kind of create these warm moments in a tough time. Um, and using what's available to you, like the trees or, you know, literally sitting out on the grass looking Uh at the season as it actually changes it's it's so invigorating because life is still moving on you know there is that consistency I suppose with nature that I suppose is really grounding and settling isn't it yes absolutely I, I love the idea of just it's just about getting into what's happening around you and not having to keep going and going and going. (laughs) (laughs) This this has truly been a huge shift that I know for so many people has impacted them of of not having to rush, um, go to the events for the kids, the sports, being the taxi driver, Mm -hmm. um, all of these moments of pausing. And and of course, there's also the struggle and the illnesses and the challenges that are coming up during this time, but there's also this space of growth that people can experience. A hundred percent. And I mean, you know, I'm, I admire my clients so much. Um, my first job was working with, um, asylum seekers who were seeking refugee status. And I was there helping them through, they were prisoners of war or they'd been tortured. Um, I met some of the most incredible people ever. And they really shaped uh, the way I think about the world and Mm. that humans are, they're they're kind of gobsmackingly amazing in terms of their ability to grow through adversity. And this is something I, like, it's probably one of my core values is that inherent, it's like a truth that I have been amazed at what people have endured and not only come out of it um, well, but they come out of it kind of in a very existential way. There's there's such an amazing sense of meaning and purpose. 
um, with with their self concept of of understanding how incredibly strong they are. Um, so I suppose when I look around at the moment and I do see the the collective grief and the collective trauma that is impacting everybody. I do also see that we will grow and connect and recognize, you know, it is like a death, isn't it? It's like the mm-hmm. death of the lives that we were living. There's a clarity at the moment as to what is important. Is the clarity to actually, it is about relationships. It actually is about people and not things. Um, there is a, such a paradigm shift that's happening and I'm not silver lining the coronavirus my god I really am not but I think people were leading very high quantity and possibly quite unhappy lives not everybody Mm -hmm. but unfortunately too many um and as you said this kind of stick feeling that specifically women feel of always having to be the mother the carer you know all that emotional load that is carried primarily by the mother and to stand back and say hang on a second what am I doing here Hmm. that pause in our lives it it could be one of the most transformative things we experience and for me I'm kind of fascinated and I don't know about you but obviously all my clients are clients I've seen but the theme is the same you know I've never experienced the same theme all day long um and pre-covid say someone came for anxiety um often it, it went back to that existential crisis of questioning what is the purpose of my life what is the meaning in my life and I suppose as we face through this I think a clarity is coming not just at, a, at an intellectual level there's an emotional connection to it that we can't wait to hug our parents we can't wait to see <laughs> our friends you know um like I found I don't know about you but last week people seemed to find last week the most difficult and I said that kind of crushing exhaustion people were feeling and I think in ways even though I think technology has been our savior through this it is not satisfying because we're lacking the human touch yeah you know we're lacking those tiny nuanced little things that you see in someone's face that (laughs) not only that the tone mightn't be read properly but the person has frozen on the screen (laughs) like I've had to say to clients a couple of times I'm really sorry you froze there (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten really good at just repeating exactly where I left off or (laughs) yeah yeah oh Allison thank you so much for joining me here today and sharing your knowledge and and your clinical wisdom of working with women. I, I think you have so, so much to offer here. And I so appreciate you sharing the message here that it's important for us to, to just pause. Isn't, isn't that just a lovely kind of tool to keep in our back pocket? Absolutely. Um, and, and I really want to say thank you so much, Tracy. I really thank you for asking me. I'm, it was lovely talking with you. Oh, I'm so glad. Where can people find you? I wrote my book, The Secret Lives of Adults, and then it was a wonderful experience this year. I uh, recorded it and it's out on audiobook um, as of the 1st of May. And um, so uh, the link to that is on my Instagram account. 
Oh, wonderful, Allison. I will put all the links uh, in the show notes and also uh, in the blog so that people can find you. I know I have been dying to read your book, so I'm going to get it on Audible and then I can walk <laughs> around with you while I'm out noticing all of the things around me. Thank you again so much for being here. Oh, listen, Tracy, thanks so much. Lovely talking to you. Of course, this podcast is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Have a great week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.